Thanks, Pastor. Excellent. You're doing well? It's good to see you here today. Uh, I'm excited at what God's going to do. It's great to be here. Uh, we have, we've just planted a church. We're in about week 10. Uh, just making sure my fly wasn't open. So that's good that it's not. Okay. <laughs> uh, that wouldn't have been a good intro. Um, but uh, we just planted a church. Uh, we're in about week 10. It's called Celebrate Church uh, on the Gold Coast. And we're excited about that. Um, just let me share a little bit of my story before I get to, to the word today. Uh, I grew up in Melbourne. Uh, don't hold that against me, okay? Uh, yeah, it's a few boos. Anyway, uh, thanks. Uh, and uh, I, uh, my parents divorced when I was about five years old. Uh, my dad, we used to visit him every Friday night, and he'd be uh, have all these mates over, and they'd all be doing drugs and excessive alcohol. And uh, so we'd see that every Friday night, my sister and I. Uh, dragged around pubs all over Melbourne. Uh, my mum also did uh, drugs as well, dabbled in drugs. Uh, many of my aunties and uncles uh, also did drugs. Uh, even some of my grandparents did drugs. Uh, you know you're in trouble when granddad smokes bongs, okay? That's just, a, that's, yeah. yeah. I do that joke to see how naughty the crowd is, and you guys are way up there. Anyway, we might have fun today in Caboolture. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, I followed in my dad's footsteps and at about 12 or 13, I was uh, excessive uh, drinking, smoking cigarettes, marijuana. Uh, at 15, I started to inject uh, mainly amphetamines. I was taking acid, ecstasy. Uh, at 16 years old, uh, I went to a house where they were involved in satanic worship, uh, into death metal bands like Slayer and things like that. And I took an acid trip in a very dark environment uh, and I overdosed. For about three hours, I was unconscious on the floor. And although I was physically uh, not there, in a sense, I was unconscious. In my mind, I was very awake and very alert. And, and basically, for three hours, I was tormented by demons. Uh, I'm 44 years old. Of course, in life, we all have mountaintops and valleys, and we go through stuff, but without a doubt, there's never been a more traumatic experience in my life than that particular day at 16 years old. Uh, that caused me to have what psychologists would have diagnosed as drug-induced psychosis, where for the next three or four years, uh, the television would speak to me, the radio would speak to me, a voice every day at school would tell me that no one liked me, no one loved me, and that I should kill myself. Uh, at 19 years old, I almost ended my life, but thankfully, God intervened into that moment. And really, the real hero of this whole story is one lady, an auntie, who was the only believer in our entire family. My mum was from seven siblings. My dad was from seven. This one lady was my mum's uh, younger sister. And thankfully, she met a young Baptist boy who believed in the method of flirt and convert. And so... <laughs> And so he flirted and converted and she met Jesus and then prayed for me for 17 years that I would one day encounter the love of Jesus Christ and prayed for our whole family, the only believer for about 17 years. Nobody got saved, but she just consistently prayed for 17 years. And one day at 23 years old, after 17 years of prayer, I moved from Melbourne to the Gold Coast, to surface paradise, uh, to try and get off drugs. Uh, I, I wasn't the smartest young man. <laughs> Um, had killed a few brain cells, and, and, but thankfully God had a plan in Surface Paradise, and it's the place we got born again. 
And, and, and so one night through a phone call with this particular auntie, I'm partying, I'm doing drugs still at 23 years old. I, I pick up the phone to talk to this lady, this auntie that had prayed for 17 years. And as soon as I heard her voice, it was like the, the, the presence of God filled my entire lounge room. And I began to weep in the presence of God. And it was in that moment that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And uh, <laughs> Went to a church called Surf City Christian Church. Uh, two weeks later, I had an encounter with Jesus where he set me free of all my addictions. He healed my mind uh, and, and just been on a journey. And we were there about 12 years, uh, sorry, eight years I was there. I met my beautiful wife, uh, Jackie. Can we give her a big round of applause? She's a mighty woman of God. And, uh, you know, we kind of went from there to Townsville, the sunny coast. We just lived in America for four years. So we'd been gone for 12 years from the Gold Coast, but now God's called us back to the place that we both met Jesus Christ. And I'm just believing that my testimony is going to be times a thousand in our church of young men and women that have radical encounters with Jesus. So we're excited. We'd love your prayers for that. Because when you're in a church plant, you kind of, you know, you're just in faith, believing God, and and we'd love that. I want to talk a message today that I call uh, the pressure test. And and when I think of a pressure test, I don't naturally think of a good thing, a positive thing. Like, I'm not at home and I'm saying, Lord, I'm just believing if you could take me through a season of pressure. You know, I, I don't pray those kind of prayers. But... A pressure test, when you really think about it, actually is a positive thing. See, if when uh, people that extract oil from the depths of the ocean, an expensive uh, commodity, what they do is they have pipes that go deep down in the depths of the ocean and, and they extract the oil. But before they extract the oil, they do a thing called a pressure test where they ram mass amounts of pressure through these pipes to see whether or not the pipes can handle the pressure that's going to come from the oil being extracted. And what they do is when they they ram the pressure through, sometimes it reveals some weak spots, some spots that that, that are not strong enough. But because the pipes are expensive, they don't automatically get rid of the pipes. They send an expert that knows how to repair the pipes to the weak spots so that they can strengthen the pipe so that the pipe can still be used for the purpose that it was made to be used for. See, sometimes the Father allows you to go through a season of pressure so that it reveals some weak spots that you are unable to see, but the pressure reveals the weakness. But he doesn't do it so that then he reveals the weakness and then discards the vessel. He does it so that then he can send the expert in the Holy Spirit to come to the area of weakness so that it can be strengthened and repaired so that your vessel can be used for the purpose that you were put on the planet to be used for. And so a pressure test, I remember I was preaching uh, about two, three years ago, I think it was, in New Zealand, Auckland, a fairly large church, and uh, I kind of am known, and I'll tell you about our, our ministry thing that we do in a moment, I'm kind of known for kind of helping people find freedom, and, and so I was preaching this Sunday night in Auckland, and it was kind of a breakthrough kind of uh, message, and people were coming believing for freedom, and there was this couple that knew a young lady who had just tried to end her life for about the 10th time. She was about 22 years old, 21 years old. She'd been attempting suicide since she was about 12. 
She had been diagnosed with almost every mental illness that you could imagine, depression, suicidal tendencies, sleep uh, deprivation, all these kind of things. And, and so they went and she was in the psychiatric ward because she just tried to end her life, I think a week or so ago, and they asked permission if this girl could come to the meeting that I was going to be preaching at. And I preached and I opened the altar and hundreds of people came forward believing for breakthrough and miracles. I didn't know this girl's story, but I remember she really stood out. It was a higher stage and I stood and I, I, it was like she was illuminated. She was lit up and I, I, I stopped and I grabbed her hand and she was already crying. And, and I said to her, I go, I don't know what's going on in your life. I said, but get ready because what God is about to do in you is you haven't slept well, but you're about to have the best sleep that you've had in more than a decade. And, and right in that moment, the power of God hit her. And she just began to weep in the presence of God. She went home from that, not home, back to the psychiatric ward. And she was so set free, so healed in her mind and her heart that they began to try and diagnose her with something else. That she must have a personality disorder issue because you can't be the girl that we've been seeing for the last week or so. But guess what? She never went back to her old ways. Eventually, she was released, completely set free. She came out of the psychiatric ward and helped direct a movie about suicide awareness about her friend that had actually taken her life that's won many awards in New Zealand. Because of that, she was asked to speak uh, in front of the, um, uh, oh, I've just lost it, the, um, the big world organization, uh, the UN, thank you. And so in New York City on, on, on suicide awareness, She's just released a book and then they've made a movie called Girl Under the Bridge about this girl. She just won Young New Zealander of the Year this year. And what I want to tell you is no matter what pit you might find yourself in, let me tell you, Jesus is always the answer. No matter how bad you think things are, Jesus can pull you out of that situation and and, and use it for His glory. You know, I said... As well, we, we, we have, I've traveled as an itinerant for nine years, full time. This has been my kind of job, in a sense, if you will. And, and we've been all around the world. And about two years ago, we launched, I don't know if the guys have got the, the, the slide up there. Yeah, there it is. It's, we launched a, a ministry called A Freedom Experience. And you could take a photo of that if you want. But what it is, is we have, so far now, we have two courses that are 21-day online experiences. And one of them focuses on destructive mindsets, which really all of us have destructive mindsets. The other one is, is the whole 21 days is on addiction, okay, and a health break addiction. And we have seen hundreds of people get free in, in the mindset one of things like anxiety, depression, poverty mentality, self-worth, all of those kind of things. And then the addiction one as well, we've just seen people get free of many, many addictions. And so what it is, is it's a journey of videos, but we do, we have two things where it, it is basically a vehicle that leads someone to a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit. But then at the same time, there's the work that you do every single day that we guide you in that helps you permanently change a, 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 a thinking pattern, a belief system. See, because it's not either or. Sometimes people go, oh, it's one touch changes everything. Other people go, oh, no, no, it's just you've got to change your thinking. No, it's both. 
because I got sick of seeing people get one touch, but in 12 months, they're at the same altar call for the same thing. Because you need the one touch where he does what you can't do by yourself, but then you need to change in here because this is what's driving you to the place that you've found yourself. And so we focus on those two things. And normally people pay $47 for this to get 30 days access, but, but I want to make that free for you to get 30 days for free. If you use the code BLESSED, just when you sign up, Use the code BLESSED. It'll give you access for 30 days for free and you can do that journey there. So it's the website is afreedomexperience.com. Use the code BLESSED and uh, that'll be really cool. I, I want to speak today just for the next little bit and then we're going to pray uh, about Elijah who really needed freedom. He, he, talk about mental health even 4,000 years ago or however long it was. But, but Elijah was this guy that uh, you know, the, the story of Elijah, if you haven't read it, he starts off and he prophesies to an evil king and evil queen that it's not going to rain for several years. He then goes to a place called Kirith Valley, where, or Ravine, sorry, where he drinks from a brook and, and the birds feed him from the sky. And then he goes to Zarephath, where a widow provides oil and flour that never runs out. In that time, her, the widow's boy dies and Elijah grabs him and and raises him to, to, to life. He then ends up at the pinnacle of his life, where he stands before the 450 Baal prophets, evil prophets. And the whole nation of Israel had turned away from God. And he says to the Baal prophets, many will know this story, you put your bull in, in your altar and I'll put mine and we'll ask both our gods to bring fire and whoever's God answers by fire is the true God. And you know the story, most of you will, but fire comes and consumes his offering fire from heaven and, and he turns and he kills the 450 bell prophets and the whole nation turns back to God. Who knows that national revival can still happen? Who knows that God could move so profoundly that a whole city could actually get saved? And, and, and so they turn to God and then there comes this moment where now evil Jezebel speaks one word to him. By this time tomorrow, you'll be dead. And the man of God that has just led a national revival has seen miracles from heaven. Let's her words get in his heart and it causes depression, suicidal tendencies where he's now under a tree saying, God, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm burnt out. I don't want to live anymore. Just take me. He then ends up in a cave, which speaks of escapism, because often the temptation when you go through stuff is to find dark places to hide so that you don't have to deal with what's being revealed through the pressure. And then God comes, and many will know the story, the fire, he's not in the fire, the, the earthquake, he's not in the earthquake, the wind, he's not in the wind, and the still small voice of God brings him out of the cave. And I want to just give you three things around this story. And the first thing, and I believe these are things Elijah, incredible man of God, but three things that he forgot and that you need to have when you're in a pressure test is number one, you've got to remember number one, that it's God's voice or God's word that sustains you. The thing that keeps you going is God's voice. Now watch this. There's a thing in the Bible called the law of firsts, that when you see the start of how someone started, or even a new thought. You look at the first time it was introduced in the Bible and you'll find great clues as to the meaning of that particular thing. But if you look at the first, the start of Elijah's life, watch how he started. He started off, the very start is he hears the voice. 
It's a picture of connectedness and closeness. He's being sustained by God's voice. Son, it's not going to rain for many, many years. And because of connectedness and closeness, he hears the voice and then he prophesies. He then hears the voice again. This is all at the start. He hears the voice. I want you to go to Kirith Ravine. And he goes to this place where now what does he do? He drinks from the brook and he eats the food that comes from above. A picture of connectedness and intimacy of a a, a child of God that literally is drinking from the brook of the Holy Spirit. He's drinking of the river of God and he's hungry and eating the food, which is a picture of the word of God that comes from above. Then again, because he's connected, he's close, he's intimate, he's being sustained by the word, he hears the voice again. Now go to a place called Zarephath where a widow will provide for you. Let me digress just for a moment. More often than not, the provision you're believing for is not where you are right now, but where God's asked you to go. See, so often what we want is, God, give me the provision and then I'll go. God says, that's not how I work. I've called you to start to walk and the provision will be released because you've started to walk. And then he goes to Zarephath and what happens there for many A long time he partakes from what? The oil, picture of the Holy Spirit and the bread that never ran out. And so again, we see this picture of Elijah where where he is connected, he is intimate, he is being sustained by the word. He's hungry for the brook, he's hungry for the oil, he's hungry for the bread, the word of God, the the word that came from the sky. There's this picture of him being sustained by the word. And that's where God wants us to live. In another sense, he's living out of the overflow. He's living out of what he's already put in. See, you're meant to live out of the overflow. What that means is if you go to the doctors and get a bad diagnosis but you've already got the Word inside of you, you already know that he's breathed on the fact that he's a healing God. And when you have the Word already in you before you need it, it works so much better. Here's the deal, if you get a bad diagnosis and the Word's not in you, the answer is to still put the Word in you. It just works a whole lot better if it's already in there before you even need it. Living out of the overflow. But then we get to this point, and you can check the Scriptures for yourself later, but it's 1 Kings 19 verse 1 to 4, you don't need to put it up there. But, but, but it's this moment where Jezebel speaks, and she says, by this time tomorrow you'll be dead. And this is the first time it actually says he was afraid. And he ends up under a tree. He ends up, because of fear, he ends up under a tree, depressed and suicidal. This is the first time we see in the text that Elijah is now listening to a different voice. And he he listens to the wrong voice. Someone's got to hear this. He listens to the wrong voice. And because of that, he ends up in the wrong place the start of the journey, he kept hearing the right voice and just kept appearing in the right place. But if you listen to the wrong voice, you will end up in the wrong place. This is so important because right now I'm telling you through the media wants to bring fear to people's lives. And, And it's a spirit that wants to bring fear. But if you're listening to the wrong voice, you will end up in the wrong place. In verse 5 to 7, the angels come and twice they have to feed him. 
And they say something along the lines of, you don't have enough in you to get you to where you need to be. In other words, Elijah, you've ran out of gas. You've ran out of what you've put in. It led you to a national revival, but Elijah, you've now ran out of gas. And then it says, and then he ends up in a cave. And this is the interesting part where, where God speaks to him. You could check it later, but it's in verse 11 to 13. It's where God says to him, he says, Elijah, I want to speak to you. And then remember, if you know the story, the fire comes. But it says, but God wasn't in the fire. And then the wind that literally crushed the rocks, but God wasn't in the wind. And then the earthquake that shook the mountain, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then the still small voice of God. And if you, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. It's kind of unusual. Because imagine if I said to Pastor, pa- Pastor Jared, I, I really need to speak. We, we need to speak. But here's three ways of how I'm not going to speak. And then I'll speak. It's kind of very unusual, isn't it? And if God did it like that, there's got to be a reason. Why did he bring the fire but say, but I'm not in the fire? Why did he bring the, the, the wind but I'm not in the wind? Why did he bring the earthquake but I'm not in the Why did he do that? Why? You've got to think about it. how did he start? He started being sustained by the voice. Now he's ran out of gas. See, God was communicating something powerful. See, Elijah, I believe, had moved from being sustained by who God was and his voice to trying to be sustained by what he did for God, which is a trap that many of us fall into. See, when God brought the fire, Elijah knew about the fire. He was the guy that called fire from heaven that literally led a national revival. So what God was communicating is, Elijah, the fire, that was what you did for me. But it's not the thing that sustains you, Elijah. Have you forgotten about the brook? Have you forgotten about the oil? Have you forgotten when you are hungry for the word that came from heaven? And then he brings the the, the wind that literally breaks rocks. And again, Elijah knew about the wind because he was the guy that stood there with a dead little boy. And he was the one that said, Father, would you bring healing? And the breath of God brought this boy back to life. But God was communicating, Elijah, the breath, the wind, that's what you did for me. But that's not what sustains you, Elijah. You need to come back to the brook. You need to come back to the oil. You need to come back to the word that comes from heaven. And again, he did the earthquake that shook the mountain because Elijah was the one that literally had shaken political systems. He had shaken weather patterns. But again, God was saying, Elijah, that's the stuff you do for me, but it doesn't fill you up. It actually takes from you. That's why you need to keep coming to the brook. Elijah, have you forgotten about being sustained by the word of God? And it's a very humanistic thing that we all do. We can move from being sustained by who He is and start thinking that we're sustained by what we do for Him. But what you do for Him actually takes from you and it's why it's so important to keep being sustained by who He is so that I can keep doing for Him. Elijah had ran out of gas. The second thing that he forgot is this old Pentecostal cliche but there's great truth in it is he forgot because you've got to get this in a pressure test, is that new levels 
equals new devils. You know, sometimes we get this wrong perception, right? Like we start to step up. Maybe you start to tithe for the very first time. Maybe you start to get some some help in your marriage because it's not going really well. Maybe you start to step up your prayer or your devotional life or, or, or you're the first one in your generation to finally buy a house and own land. Or, you know, you, you started to serve in the kids' ministry or, or, or help out so the church can go forward. And sometimes when we start to step up spiritually, we, we almost think the devil's going to come and roll out the red carpet and bring flowers with a card that just says, I'm so proud of you. Really stepping up and stepping into the things of God. Well done. Me and all my demons, we're so happy for you. And sometimes we're like perplexed where, man, everything's coming again. Yeah, because you're stepping into a new level. And the devil doesn't want you to step. He wants you to stay where you are or go backwards. And Elijah had forgotten this principle of he'd stepped up into a new level. He'd led a national revival. See, when he killed the 450 Bell prophets... Those 450 Baal prophets, they represent individual demons in the, in the region, in the vicinity. See, there's a cool thing. Remember when he slays the 450 Baal prophets? You know, the next thing that happens is the atmosphere starts to change and it begins to rain where it hadn't rained for three and a half years. See, that's a picture of when a person fights against some individual demons. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, maybe grandma struggled with anxiety and fear and mum struggled with anxiety and fear and you have struggled with anxiety and fear, but you're the one that steps up and says, you know what? It stops with me. I'm going to be the one that comes against this thing. I'm going to be the one that pulls it down. See, when you defeat that individual demon, you know what happens? The atmosphere starts to change and now it rains upon people that didn't even fight for the rain. See, Everybody else enjoyed the rain because somebody defeated some individual demons. You heard my story. My wife and I have fought some individual demons of addiction so that two boys called Josiah and Caleb Connell can just enjoy the rain of God. But he had forgotten. See, because when, a light, when Jezebel spoke, He had faced some individual demons, but now he's about to hear from the principality and power of the region that every demon served. And and he wasn't ready for it. He'd forgotten this principle of new levels equals new devils. Now, let me just have a caveat for a moment. Don't be the person that's so focused on what the devil's doing. You know, when you meet those people, and they tell you every all the five things the devil's doing in their life every time you meet them. Don't be that person. I'm focused on the fact that the devil is already a defeated foe. That greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. That's what I'm focused on. But I'm aware of this principle. And when I'm aware of this principle, we're planning a church. You think the devil's given me a welcome card? He hates that there's going to be a powerful new church on the Gold Coast that's going to result in thousands and tens of thousands over the next 50 to 100 years that are going to find Jesus. He hates it. 
But when I'm aware of new levels, new devils, you know what it makes me do? Is it makes me bunker down even more into point one. I better just lift the level of how sustained I'm going to be. I need to lift the level of my prayer life, of how much I'm in the Word of God, because I'm aware I'm in a new level and there's going to be some new devils, so I've got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. The last thing is this, just if the keyboarder could come. The last thing is this, is number three, you've got to come out of the cave and get real with God. Elijah failed to do this. You've got to come out of the cave and get real with God. See, the cave, to me, it speaks of escapism. As humans, we all, at times, try and escape. And I think about it like this. I'm a visual person. If I, if I think of a pressure test, and what it does is it reveals cracks. And if I, if I picture that as like the crack is like an illuminated light bursting out, represents my weakness, my dysfunction, my struggle, my insufficiency. And when I wasn't in a pressure test, when I wasn't going through stuff, I couldn't even see the crack. But now that I've gone through the pressure, I can't not see the crack, the dysfunction. And that's where the temptation, because now pressure is causing me to not be able to sit. I, I can't get away from what's broken and wrong with me. And so the temptation in that moment is to find a cave to hide in. A cave just represents a place where it's a bit darker. And then I don't have to be as confronted with what the pressure is revealing in my own life. I can escape and hide. And we're all adult enough to know that. See, because a cave of escapism, it could represent way too much Netflix. It could represent food. It could represent work. That you're hiding in your work. It could represent gossip or some form of too much alcohol or substance or something sexual. It could represent a whole heap of things. And we're adult enough to know that, of course, some caves are more destructive than others. But let's be real, a cave's a cave. A cave's simply a place that you're hiding to not have to deal with what's wrong underneath. And there's this moment where God asks him a question. And maybe it's a question for you today that God wants to ask. He says to Elijah, who's just been through it, depressed under the tree, suicidal, he's run out of gas, he's burnt out, he's hiding in escapism. And God says to him, Elijah, why are you here? And Elijah gives this kind of religious answer that goes something like this. I'm the only one. That's still full on for you and they've killed everybody else. They're trying to kill me. And then comes the fire, the, the wind, the earthquake. Then the still small voice of God. It's another message. But you know what got him out of his cave? Because he was in the cave when that all happened. But he heard the still small voice of God. Whenever you're trapped in a cave, it's always the still small voice of God that will bring you out. But he comes out. After the small, small, small voice of God. And then God says to him, word for word, Elijah, why are you here? 
And you know, Elijah gives him verbatim, if you look at the text, the exact same answer, word for word, same answer. There can only be one theological reason why God would ever ask you the same question twice. As humans, there's a few reasons. Maybe I didn't hear you. I didn't hear your answer. So I'll ask the same question twice. God doesn't have a problem with hearing. Two, this is what happens a lot in marriage. I don't understand you because we speak different languages and are from different planets. So I'll ask the exact same question again because I don't have a clue of what you just said. God doesn't have a problem with understanding. He knows your answer before you even give it. Whenever God asks a question, it's never to find something out. He already knows the answer. But the only reason why he would ever ask you the exact same question twice, the only reason, is because he's merciful and you gave the wrong answer. And he's giving you another chance to answer in a better way. But Elijah missed it. He missed the moment to get real with God. And you know what cost him? Because if you follow the end of his story, after this, God says, okay, fine, Elijah. Go and anoint Hazel to be king and anoint Jehu, who's going to take down Jezebel, and then find Elisha, and he's going to take over from you. If you follow the text, Elijah went straight and found Elisha, raised him up. The chariots of fire came and took him. So in a sense, what you could say is, Elijah never fully finished the full will of God. Because the text tells me that the will of God was for him to anoint those other two people. But he only anointed one of them. Now you've got to understand, Elijah's still a legend. Appeared again, in because no one's perfect. Appears again in the New Testament. One of only two men to never die. You know why I believe he never died? Is because Jezebel, just a few chapters before, said, by this time tomorrow you'll be dead. And God was like, really? <laughs> hey, Jezebel, he's not going to be dead tomorrow. He's not going to be dead in three months. Jezebel, he's not going to be dead in a decade. Jezebel, he's not going to be dead in a century. Actually, Jezebel, he's going to be one of only two men that will never, ever die. Because God loves to defy what the devil's tried to speak over your life. So he's a Amazing man of God, but he didn't fulfill the full will of God. And here's the thing that we could take to heart a little bit without condemnation. Eventually there gets a point in life where if you don't deal with what God needs you to deal with, he'll still love you. You're still going to heaven, but he'll eventually find someone else to do the thing that you were put on the planet to do. Because it was Elisha that went and anointed Hazel. So God's plan is still going to come to pass. You know that thing where you think, you know that scripture, I think it's in James, it says that tribulation produces, you know, brings character, character, perseverance, perseverance, hope. If I be honest, I'm like, most times tribulation doesn't reveal character in me. It reveals a lack of character. Like if you really hurt me, like it's not like peace and joy that comes out. It's a few internal words that I probably shouldn't say. 
anger, bitterness. But see, what tribulation does is it reveals weakness. Now I can start to work on it because now I can see it. And then in turn, it does produce character, which produces perseverance and hope. Last story is this. I remember probably one of the hardest seasons I went through. It was, uh, we'd been living in America for four years. We, we came back in March last year. And we, for four years, we've been trying to get a green card. We'd spent, I, I, I've been in itinerant for nine years, living by faith, just believing God. We don't have an official wage in a sense. We just travel the world and believe God. And, and so we moved to America because God told us to. And we spent about 30,000 US dollars just on getting visas so we could live there and work there. But, but the goal was eventually we'd get a green card. And once you get a green card, because I tell you, when, and I had no grace for immigrants until I was one. Because that feeling that's over you all the time, that at any moment this could be denied. I'm trying to build my family and my house. But at any moment someone could say, all right, you're done. Get your stuff and go. And, and so there's this pressure of paying money and and not having all the benefits of all the other people that live in that, in that region. And, and, but the goal was eventually I'll get a green card and then it's all okay and that will be the finish line. And so it was September a couple of years ago and we'd released our course and we're seeing hundreds of people get saved and, or sorry, get free. And it's probably the most fruitful I'd ever been. And now America was finally opening up because when you go there, no one knows who I am. But now I'm getting invited again all over the world and all over America and we released our course. It was going amazing. And there's this guy called Mike Connell, who's 70 years old. He's become a real father in the faith. He might even be 72. And, and, and so he, 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 uh, he came to preach at our church for three weeks. I, I was part of an amazing church called Awaken, 8,000 people. Powerful church. And he comes for three weeks to preach at all the campus. And he moves in freedom and deliverance. Been doing it for like 50 years. And I felt God say to me, don't book any weekends. Even though the way I earn my money is to go and travel, God says, don't book any weekends for three weeks. Get around this man. I asked my pastor, I said, hey, could I be Pastor Mike Connell's driver? I'll just take him to every meeting. He was preaching nearly every day for like 18 days of all the campuses. He said yes, and I took him, and I was on top of the world. And then I got around him, and after one day of driving him, all this stuff starts to come up. Insecurity, rejection. I'm like, no, no, I've already dealt with this. Life was good. And then all of a sudden, each day I got around him, it would come up more and more. And then I'm saying things. I felt like I was a high school kid again. And then finally, after two weeks, it gets to this kind of pinnacle where he does a staff retreat with a hundred of our staff members and he's preaching and I know now he's really going to minister to leaders. And, and before he even, like he's halfway through his preaching, I'm already just bawling, I'm weeping as he talks and he opens the altar and I, I, I get to the front and now I'm not just weeping, but I'm like ugly crying. Like, like I thought it was bad. I, I feel like there's some people that are on that staff that are still in counselling today just because they saw me crying. That's how bad it was. I was like a blubbering mess. I'm 44 years old. I was back then, I was only 42. And, and he comes and, he, and, and all he does is he, he prays and he says, spirit of rejection and abandonment, come off. The power of God hits me and I cry for another 30 minutes. It's profound. 
And I'd love to say to you that from that moment, everything got better. But it actually got incredibly more worse. You know what sometimes real true deliverance is? Is to help you see a fault line that you were unable to see. But now you can see it. But then comes the work. But you can work now on the right thing that's at the root of what's going on. It was in that moment that I recognised, even as a younger minister, there were some caves that I struggled with. That I thought the cave itself was the problem. But that was the first day that I was able to see the real problem was rejection. That would cause me to run to caves. And then after that, so he stirs all this stuff up. I start having some issues with leaders. Why? Because now rejection's been brought to the surface. So I'm taking everything the wrong way. And then I get to this moment because now we're at the end of the journey to get our green card. It's the day before. Four years of a fight. $30,000. And the day before it should all go through and then we'll be sweet sailing, my lawyer rings me and he says, Lucas, I never saw that you had this criminal conviction when you were 19. I got caught with $50 worth of drugs when I was 19. He said, Lucas, because it's this specific drug, you're what they call inadmissible. You can never, ever get a green card. I'm about to cross the finish line. It knocked the wind out of my sails. For two months, I I struggle with major depression from that moment. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But think about it, I would drag myself down each day to my garage where I used to try and pray. There was days that I almost didn't even hardly get out of bed. But each day I'd try and bring myself down to the garage and I'd just open the Word and I'd put worship on. I remember I'd drop my kids off at school and I didn't even want to go home, so I'd sit in the parking lot of the supermarket and just sit in my car. But, but think about what's going on. is He's revealed a fault line of rejection. And now I'm not, which really comes mainly from feeling rejected from my dad. But now I'm not being rejected by one human. I'm being rejected by 350 million people. A whole country is saying, one of the biggest countries in the world, we don't want you. Sent me into a spin. I remember it was probably a month or two in and going down in my garage. Battling depression. I remember the Holy Spirit filled my garage. And he spoke to me and he said, Lucas, I had to allow it to seem like you've been rejected and abandoned so that I could deal with the rejection, the abandonment that's been living in your heart your whole life. You know, from that moment, I'm telling you, there was such an incredible shift. And I'm a radically different person because of what I went through, the pressure test. It was only about four or five months later after that, that COVID happened. And we get five days notice from heaven saying, get up and go now. Five days later, we're on a plane to come back to Australia. We thought it was temporary. Our stuff is still in America. Then we get here and he says, no, you're going to plant a church. But, but five days, you pack up your whole house, you're on a plane. Your life's different. But you know what? I'm not saying this is a boast, but it wasn't even that hard. 
But the reason it wasn't that hard is because of the incredible work that he did in me through a pressure test that prepared me for the next season. I want to pray for you right now. Why don't you stand to your feet if you can? Father, I thank you for your presence. I can already feel the presence of God in this place. God's going to really minister to people. And I just want to ask you this question, if just with every hand down, but if you're in this place today and you'd say, Lucas, I'm in, I'm in a pressure test. You, you're speaking to me right now, Lucas, that I am in a pressure test. Or, and it might be and or, or Lucas, if I be honest, I've been hiding in a cave. If you're in either of those two things, I want to open the altar and I want to pray. And I believe that miracles are going to happen in this place. So, but if that's you, you're either, Lucas, I'm in a season, and it is, it's a pressure test. Or, or, or Lucas, or Andor, I'm in a cave, Lucas. I've been trapped in it. I feel like I'm hiding in a dark place. And it's time to hear the voice of God and come out and get real with God so that I can move forward. If that's you, either of those two categories or both, just show me your hand. Just, there'll be a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, all over this place. Beautiful, beautiful. Here's what I want to ask. Is if you lifted your hand, I want you to just make your way to the front right now because I'm going to spend some time just ministering. It doesn't matter what season of life you're in. You're like, seriously... I'm preaching all around the world. And you go through this kind of stuff. Father, I thank you right now for your power. In the, there's, there's room here, so if you guys could jump right into the middle, then that way we'll let everyone come forward. God, we just thank you so much. And, and you know, I'd, if you're in the crowd, and praise God if you're not in a pressure season. But if that's you, if you're in the crowd and you just feel like maybe things are going good for this season, then praise God. If that is you, would you just reach out your hand and lend some faith to these people right now that are just saying, you know what, I am in the, I'm in the pressure. And I just think I'm going to invite the Holy Ghost right now. There it is, power of God's here. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I invite your presence. God, I invite just someone, if someone could move with me. Holy Ghost, Father, I thank you. God, right now, right now, God, right now. I just see, sir, I see God wants to lift major disappointment off your life right now. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. God, I'm telling you, I feel like maybe it's even brought bouts of depression, but I, but I, I just feel like that there was something that happened in your world that that whole thing of hope deferred makes the heart sick. But right now what God is doing is that very thing, whatever that thing represents, God is bringing healing into your heart right now. Sir, he wants you to know that he's proud of you. He's not disappointed. He's not angry, but he's proud. He's like, this is my son. This is my son. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. And, and, and he wants you to know that by no means is he finished with you. And, and that there, I'm telling you, there are plans. And, and that's what I see. I see a picture. God's going to bring healing to your heart for whatever's happened in the past. But, but I can see right now, I can see God the Father. There it is. I can see it clearly. I see God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they're in one of those like kind of, you know, on a construction site, how they have the, the sheds, the portable sheds. They're in a portable shed. And I don't know if this means anything or not, but they've got like hard hats on. 
but they're looking at plans. <laughs> and the plans represent the things that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have for your future. And they're intricate, they're detailed, they're not small. The plans that I see, it's like, you know, they're, they're ones you, you almost can't, one person can't hold them. They're big plans. And God wants you to know that He's not finished. And that there's things that He's got for you that you don't even know about yet, but they're incredible. But right now what He needs to do is whatever that thing represents, that, 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 that thing of hurt, that, that, that thing that caused hope to be deferred, that disappointment, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. I just feel as well. Learn what you can learn, but you can't blame yourself. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. I, I just feel. I normally I wouldn't spend this long praying for someone right when I'm at the front, but I just feel like the plans that God has are big, and 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 God says it's time now. It's time. It's time. It's time to step into it. It's time to step into it. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you. Holy Ghost, touch your daughter right now. Spirit of God, touch her. There it is. Spirit of God, touch. Holy Ghost, touch. There it is. I release. I release. I release right now. There it is. Power of God's on you right now. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, there's been a battle. In your mind. But you're going to win that battle with the Word of God. Holy Ghost, there's been a battle in your mind. But God, I see it. I see like this fight going on, like a sword fight. But God wants you to know that you're going to win the battle. And, and then what you're going to do is you're going to help other people win the same battle. Holy Ghost. God, touch. Holy Ghost, Father, in the name of Jesus. God, in the name of Jesus. Can, can you come here? Let, let me, Father, thank you for your daughter. Right now, I release there it is. I release her from everything of the past. I release her from everything that is of the past. Everything that's generational. I break its power in the name of Jesus and I release her into freedom right now, Father. I release her into freedom in the name of Jesus. I release her into freedom. I command Satan to release every hook that he has that has tried to, every hook of the past, that's what I see. I see like hooks of the past that keep trying to drag you back. But I say today, every single hook is released in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for power right now. I thank you for power in the name of Jesus. I thank you for power in the name of Jesus. I declare a brand new day. I declare a brand new day. Holy Ghost, Father, touch. Spirit of God, touch. Touch, touch, touch. Holy Ghost, there it is. Power of God's on you right now. Power of God's on you right now. Power of God's on you right now. Holy Ghost, I see you. There it is. I see you coming. Whatever your cave represents, I see you coming out. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. And I, I, see, I see you walking out of a cave, whatever that represents. But as you walk out, it's like you're walking into a beautiful field of flowers. The sun shining on your face. There's joy all over your face. <laughs> and, and I just see it clear. I see it's as simple as that. That's where you were, but now you're stepping into the new. 
the smile of heavens on your life. Smile of heavens on your life. Not, 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 not the angry face of God. The smile of heaven. The smile of heaven. The smile of heaven. God, touch her. Help her to dream again. Father, for your son, touch in the name of Jesus. Release. God, release. There it is. Power of God, release. Just release. There it is. Release. Every burden, yeah? Every burden. I come against self-hatred in the name of Jesus. Come against rejection in the name of Jesus. I speak healing today. Healing. Healing. Healing in the name of Jesus. Touch. 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 Here's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to finish in just a little bit, but here's what I want to do. Right now, wherever you're at, put your hands to heaven. And I'm telling you, because you don't need me to touch you, because it's not me that touches you. If I touch you and it's just me, it's not going to do a whole lot. But if he touches you, so just in the last few minutes, let him touch you right now. Just let him touch you. You know why you're standing at the altar. He knows why you're standing at the altar. He's the answer to whatever the problem you've brought to the altar. So, Father, I release solutions right now. I command breakthrough to come in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for anyone that's standing here right now that might be struggling with some form of an addiction. I declare over every person that you are not just free, but you are free indeed. I command right now that, that any addictive spirit right now would be broken off of your life in the name of Jesus Christ. I release grace. I release mercy. I release the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I declare power and breakthrough in the name of Jesus. I come against all depression. I come against anxiety. I come against uh, just negativity. I come against the spirit of rejection and abandonment in the name of Jesus and I cast you out right now in the name of Jesus and I release, there it is I release now the love of the Father, you're going to feel the love of the Father right now, I release the love of the Father, I release the love, a Father that loves you so much, I release it, 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 I release, there it is, 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 he's bringing healing. God, I pray right now as that love of the Father comes, I declare healing for every, there it is, every bit of trauma, every deep hurt right now, every deep hurt right now. God's healing you right now. God's healing you. Let him do it. Let him do it. Let him do it. You know what the deep hurt is. You know the thing that happened. He's showing you right now. There it is, the love of the Father. Bring healing. Bring healing. The love of the Father. He's here. He's here. He's here. He loves you. He loves you. God, I thank you for your healing touch. And just this, one more thing, and then I'm just going to give people a chance to respond to Jesus. But just, just right now, just, and this could be everyone. Right now, because God's done a work in you. Just close your eyes. I just feel like God wants to put dreams in your heart. Because, you know, one of the biggest things that keeps us going, one of the biggest things that keeps us free, 
And one of the things we lose when we're hiding in caves or going through stuff is we can lose our dream. See, the Bible says without a vision, people cast off restraint. The thing that keeps you disciplined is to have a vision. If there's no vision, not many people are disciplined. So right now, I just feel like the Father wants to release the dream for your life. Come on, take a moment with Dad. Take a moment with Dad. It should scare you a little because if you can do it without him, it's probably not from him. God, I pray you open people's eyes. I pray you open people's eyes. I pray you open people's eyes to see the dream that they've been called to do. God bless each one of them. If you're in that moment, just stay there and let God keep breathing on it. But just put your hands down for a moment. If you're in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you have, but for whatever reason you found yourself away from God, and you just know today's your day. Today's your day to say, all right, Father, I'm either giving my life back to you, or like me 21 years ago, God, I'm giving my life to you for the first time. Best decision I ever made. I'm not going to draw this out. I'm not going to bring you to the front. But with every eye closed, if you're in either of those two categories, you're like, yeah, I need to give my life to Christ for the first time. Or, or Lucas, I've been away from Christ. And I'm making today, I'm making April 25th, the year 2021. That's the day that I'm giving my all to God. I'm giving my whole life. If that's you, just quickly lift your hand and I'll include you in a prayer. I'm going to pray. Yeah, I see your hand over there. So proud of you. Someone else, just saying yes. You just know this is your day. Lucas, include me in your prayer. Ah, another couple people there. So proud of you. Is there someone else? Don't, I'm not going to draw it out too long, but is there one more person? Just say, yeah, Lucas, this is my day. So awesome. Three people just saying yes. Yes to Jesus. Little guy there too. Well, why don't you just, let, let's all pray this prayer together. It says we get ready to close. But for those three people, you just mean these words with all your heart. But we'll all pray it as a family with you. Say, dear, G, dear Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. Thank you that you forgive me for everything that I've done wrong. Today, I invite you into my life. I give you my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I just, again... If you feel like God stirred something in you, I really, it's the whole reason we designed the 21-day program. Because often, I know as a human for me, to take some time to work on some wrong mindsets, it's afreedomexperience.com. Use the code BLESSED. It'll give you, it'll give you 30 days access for free. Um, but it will be a great blessing. I find when I go from this, what it does for me is it goes, it gives me the next plan. All right, God's identified some stuff. Now I've got to put in the work. It's 30 minutes a day for 20, 21 days. So God bless you. Thanks so much for having me. We really love you guys. It's a real honor to be here. Thanks, Pastor.